بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله وثانك ميبريز الله عز وجل as we gather once again for our Bulughul Maram lessons and we are busy of course with the, the book of Salah, Kitabul Salah and last week we completed Bab Salatul Tatawu' Naam, we completed the chapter of Salatul Tatawu' which was the voluntary prayers tonight is the next chapter, we start the next chapter in the book which is Salatul Jama'ah Wal Imamah Salatul Jama'ah Wal Imamah the prayer in congregation and imamah we are going to deal with imamah means it refers to the imam the matters of the imam right the rulings pertaining to the to the imam the leading or not the imam of the salah so ibn uthaymin rahimahullah he explains before we get to the first hadith um, and he says that the author ibn hajar rahimahullah initially he brought us a hadith and chapters which dealt with Salah by itself, right? Salah when it's prayed by itself, how it should be prayed. We spoke about that in great detail, the kaifiyah of salah, right? The method of salah or the description of the salah. We spoke about that as an entire chapter. Um, and then we spoke about what is recommended of salah, various types of salah, the witr and the nafil and the qiyamul layl and uh, duha and so forth, the rawatib. Now he is bringing us to Salah in Jama'ah. Salah in Jama'ah in congregation. And the Sheikh, he says that the ulama are unanimously agreed that Salah in Jama'ah is of course legislated and that it is from the best of ibadat and the most virtuous of ta'at. The best of worship and the most virtuous of Obedience to Allah. And there's no, no one who differs over this point. And that is because there's lots of khair in this for the ummah. When it comes together, when the people come together and lots of i'tilaf, bringing of the hearts together, uniting the hearts, what ta'aruf, and getting to know one another, and also teaching each other. Because the musallin, when they come and they fulfill this, uh, uh, there is lots of teaching, as we said, for one another. And it's also an exercise in how to obey Allah and the Messenger and also to obey the leader. Of course, referring to the Muslim leaders. Because he says when the musalli comes, he has to follow somebody. Who is he following? The imam. And he's not allowed to differ from the imam. So the imam is like the small imam. And the big imam refers to either the, the leader of the country, like in a Muslim country, or he can also refer to who? Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So within praying in jama'ah, there's lots of lessons. And we're going to get to this point later on, inshaAllah. But the point here is, the scholars are agreed. That in Salah and Jama'ah is what? Legislated. And that it's from the best of worship. 
because of all the different types of khayr that it brings, all the, the various types of benefits that it brings. However, the Sheikh then says, they do differ over the ruling on Salatul Jama'ah. It's legislated, meaning it's part of the deen. It's not a bid'ah. However, what is the ruling? He says this is where they differ. Salatul Jama'ah, they differ on in four opinions. They differ over this within four opinions. The first opinion he says is that Jama'ah is a shart salah. The first view is that salah in Jama'ah is a condition for the acceptance of the salah. And whomsoever prays by himself without a valid excuse, then his salah is batil. His salah is batilah. And even if he prayed 1000 times, he is like a person who made salah without wudu. Salah is batila. Yes? According to this opinion, we're speaking about the men, right? We're not speaking about the woman. Okay? So what this opinion says is that salah in jama'ah is a condition for the acceptance of the salah. Meaning, if it's not prayed in jama'ah without a valid excuse, the salah is null and void. It's not accepted. So it's wajib upon the person to make sure he prays in jama'ah in the masjid. And this is the view of Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah, Ibn Aqil, from the uh, followers of Imam Ahmad, the Hanabila, and also one of the narrations from Imam Ahmad himself. So this is some of the Hanbali scholars, and also it's the opinion of the Zahiriya, as Ibn Uthaymith, he says this is what he thinks is the opinion of the Zahiriya. So that's the first view. The second view is, it is Fard Ayn. Fard Ayn means what? It is Fard upon each and every individual. From the men, from the men folk, not the women, that they pray in Jama'ah. And no person is excluded from this, except if he has a valid excuse, according to the Sharia of Allah and the Messenger. Right? If he has a real valid excuse, then he's exempted. But otherwise, it is fard ain. However, if he prays by himself, his salah is valid, it's accepted, but he is sinful as well. So this is a slight difference from the first opinion. The first opinion says what? If he prays by himself, it's null and void. The second opinion says it's fard ain. It's still a fard. It's an obligation. It's a wajib. But if he does not, and he prays by himself, his salah is accepted, but he will be sinful because he did not fulfill the, the fard. The third opinion is, it's a fard kifayah. Fard kifayah means what? That if a part of the community fulfills it in the masjid, then the rest of the community is exempted from that obligation. Like salatul janazah. If a part of the community prays the janazah on the body, on the mayit, then the rest of the people are excluded from that obligation. But if nobody prays the janazah salah, then the entire community will be sinful. So the third view is, it's a fard kifaya, meaning as long as there are people praying in the masjid in jama'ah, then the rest of the community, they are excused. They can pray by themselves at home and there will be no sin upon them.
This is according to the third view. Understand? And Ibn Uthaymin says, This is a weak view. He says, This is a, a weak opinion. The third, or the fourth view, sorry, is, It is a sunnah to pray in jama'ah and not a wajibah. Not fard. Not fard ayn and not fard kifaya. It's just a what? A sunnah and it's not a shart either. According to the first view, it's a shart. It's a condition of the salah. The fourth view says what? It's a sunnah. It's not fard, not ayn, not kifaya and not a condition either. And Ibn Uthaymin says, this is the weakest of all the views. This is the weakest of all of the, the views. And then he mentions that Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah said in Kitab al-Um, his book Al-Um, لا أرى لأحد قدر على الجماعة أن يدعها إلا بعذر. Imam Shafi'i said, I do not uh, consider or opine that anybody who is able to pray in jama'a can leave it off except for an other, except for a, a valid excuse. Which means he also viewed that it is a fard. Understand? If a person is able to pray in jama'ah, he must. He's not allowed to leave it off except if he has a valid excuse. This is what Ashafi, um, rahimahullah, said. Ibn Uthaymin says, min al-aqwal, The preponderant or the strongest view of the four is which one? Is the second one that it is fard ayn and that it is fard upon every man to attend the jama'ah and if he does not attend the jama'ah athima wasahat salatuhu meaning he is sinful but his salah is valid his salah is is valid and he mentions a hadith to prove this where Rasulullah and we're going to get to these hadith individually. However, he mentions the hadith where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Salatul jama'ah afdalu min salatil fadhi bi sab'in wa ishreena darajah. That salah in jama'ah is better or more superior than salah by, uh, performed by an individual by 27 degrees. Yani 27 times better than the salah for a person in, who plays by himself. Right? The jama'ah is better. So what's the proof here? The proof says it's better. Meaning the person who prays by himself, his salah is still accepted. Understand? His salah is still accepted. But the one in jama'ah has 27 times more reward. But this hadith he uses to prove what point? That the person who prays by himself, his salah is still accepted even though he's missing out on that reward. And we will look at the other reasons why we say it is fard for each man to pray. In jama'ah. So then he says, what's the, what's the evidence? What are the evidences for these opinions? The evidences, he says, firstly, those who say it's a sunnah. Those who say it's a sunnah, which was the fourth opinion, they say that the hadith which, is, which we just mentioned, salatul jama'ah, afdalu min salatul fadhi bi sab'in wa ishreena daraja, that salah in jama'ah is 27 times better than Salah prayed by an individual. They say this hadith proves what? It's a sunnah. Because it's only, it's, it's afdal. Meaning it's more virtuous, it's better. But it's not fard. You understand? They're arguing that this is something afdal. When something is afdal, it's something that's, that's better, it's more virtuous. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a, 
That's a fard. This is the evidence. So they are arguing that this hadith is saying it's just better to pray in jama'ah. But it's not necessarily a fard to pray in jama'ah. And therefore this is an evidence that it's a sunnah and not a, and not a fard. Understand? Um, for example, he says, like if somebody takes wudu, and when they take wudu, they wash thrice, or they can wash once. Which one is better? Thrice. That's afdal. But to wash thrice, is it fard? No. So this is the argument. They said something similar to this. Right? That's the evidence. As for those who say it's fard ayn, as for those, the second opinion, which we said is the strongest opinion, for those who say it's fard ayn, what's their evidence? He mentions a, a, an ayah from the Quran where Allah speaks about the people who are doing, doing battle, the mujahideen. And this is Surah An-Nisa, verse 102. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And if you are present amongst them, and you lead them in salah, then let a group from amongst them stand in salah with you. The Mujahideen. And let them carry their weapons. Because they're in jihad. Keep the weapons on them just in case the enemy attacks. And when you basically completed the salah, you've done the salah, then let they be behind you. Another group who did not pray yet. To pray with you. Understand? So this is in jihad. The point here is Allah says, فَلْتَقُمْ طَائِفَةً And he used the word, فَلْ yeah, this, this, There's a lamb in there, فَلْتَقُمْ Which is a lamb al-amr. In Arabic, it's a lamb for command or instruction. Let there be a group that stands with you. What does this prove? It's a jama'ah that must pray salah with you. Even in the time of jihad, of a battle. Of a war zone, have a group praying with you. And when that group's done, let another group join in. And this also proves that it's not found kifaya. Because had it been one group is sufficient, the rest can pray by themselves. It's found kifaya. But it's found ayn, meaning each one must be in a group. Each one must be in a group. Understand? So he uses this ayah to prove that even in jihad, Allah is saying that a group of you pray together. When that group's done, let the next group come in. So even in jihad, you should still be praying like this. Of course, if it's possible. Depending on the battle zone and all of those things, right? But if that is in jihad, in an extreme case like this, what about in a time of peace? In a normal situation, at home, in your home city, in your area, where the masjid is around the corner and so forth. That's even more so wajib that you pray in jama'ah. That's the one evidence. The second evidence is a hadith in Sahih Muslim. And Bukhari and Muslim, where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam he says, I was about to instruct that the salah be started. And I was about to instruct a man to lead the salah and for people to collect some firewood. And I would have taken that firewood and gone to those who are praying in their homes and are not praying in the jama'ah and I would have set their homes alight, set their homes on fire. Again, what does this prove? Those who are praying at home, this angered the Messenger of Allah Such to an extent 
that he felt he would go and set their homes alight until they came out of their homes. And this also proves it's not Fawr Kifaya. Because there was already people in the masjid and the others were at home. Was this enough? The Prophet accept this condition, the situation? Look, there are people in the masjid, but there are also people at home. Men, he's referring to the men here specifically. Had it been Fawr Kifaya, he would have said, Khalas, there are people in the masjid, the jama'ah is carrying on. Those who are praying at home, they're excused. Because it's Fawr Kifaya. But it's not Fawr Kifaya, this proves it's Fawr Ain. Right, this proves that it's what? Fawr Ain. Um, as for those who argue that it's Fawr Kifaya, their evidence is that Salah in Jama'ah is a symbol of the deen, an apparent symbol of the deen that you know people can look at and see. And all the apparent symbols of the deen is, is Fawr Kifaya. Right? Because as long as somebody is fulfilling it, that symbol is alive. And people can see it. So it's no problem that there are some people who fulfill it in the masjid. That means the jama'ah is happening. The rest can pray at home or wherever they are. No problem. As long as that symbol of the deen is being kept alive, then, it, then, it's, then it's fine. Hence it's fawr Understand? That as long as a group do it, then it's fine. And they, they also said it's similar to Eid. Salatul Eid. They said if people pray the Eid, then as long as the Eid has been prayed, that's fine. Others can miss it because it's Fawr Kifaya. This is the Qiyas that they did. And the Sheikh says, لا ريب أن هذا القول ضعيف. There's no doubt this is a weak opinion. The Sheikh says, there's no doubt that this is a weak opinion. There's no dalil for it. It's just a reasoning that they're trying to use which doesn't um, count against authentic ahadith for that matter. As for those who, of the first view who said it's a condition like Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah and others, they used the hadith in a tirmidhi where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Man sami'an nida'a Whomsoever hears the nida'a, the call, the adhan And he does not answer the call فَلَا صَلَاةَ لَهُ إِلَّا مَنْ عُذِرَ Then there's no salah for him except the one who has an excuse Whomsoever hears the adhan And he does not answer the adhan meaning he doesn't go to the masjid. The Mu'adhan is saying, come to salah, come to success. Hayala salah, hayala falah. So he doesn't answer, he doesn't respond, means he doesn't go to this, he doesn't respond to this call. So he doesn't go to the masjid. The hadith says, Fala There's no salah for him. Illa man except the one who is excused, who has a valid excuse. So this is their evidence. And we can see where the evidence is strong. It's not a, a weak view, it's, an, it's a valid view with valid evidence. And they say, فَلَا صَلَاةَ means no salah for him. Yani the salah is not accepted, not valid. Or it's not, um, yeah, it's not valid, right? Or it doesn't even exist in the first place. We can't say it doesn't exist, so it's obviously nafi siha, right? According to them. Um, So according to them, فَلَا صَلَاةَ means, فَلَا صَلَاةَ means, there's no valid salah for him. The salah that he prays at home is invalid. Because he heard the call and never answered, and the hadith says this, so therefore his salah that he prayed at home is what? Invalid, it's not accepted. And they also argue and say that if you look at 
the principle with regards to the wajibat of the salah. Right? If a person purposefully leaves out the wajib of the salah, what's the ruling on his salah? Null and void. So we know what's, what's the wajib of the salah. Give me an example. Okay. The takbirs are wajib. Excluding the takbirat al-ihram, which is a rukun. The rest of the takbirs are wajib. So if you purposefully skip the takbir, you just go down without saying Allahu Akbar. So salah valid? It's not valid. The first tahiyyat, the shahud, is fard, as we proved and we said many times before. If you purposefully skip the tahiyyat, so you know it's the second rakah you're supposed to sit, but you purposefully leave it out. Because you say, nah, it's just a wajib. And you leave it out and you go straight up. What's the ruling on that salah? It's invalid. If you forgot, it's different. Now we come to Judu Sahwi. However, purposefully leaving a wajib is what? Invalidates the salah. So they say, this view says, the people of this view are arguing and saying, you say that the jama'ah is a wajib of the salah. So if you purposefully don't pray in jama'ah, you are purposefully leaving out a wajib of the salah. So what does that, what does that leave us to say? Your salah is invalid. This is their reasoning. So they brought us a hadith who says whoever hears the adhan and doesn't respond, there's no salah for him. There's no salah for him except if he has a valid excuse. And now they are bringing their reasoning and saying, the principle when it comes to wajibat of the salah is what? If you purposely leave out a wajib and you are all saying it's a wajib that you pray in jama'ah, then your salah is invalid. So then the person who purposely prays at home or by himself, his salah is invalid according to the principles of the sharia. Strong evidence, right? Strong evidence, no doubt. And Ibn Uthaymin says here, هذا دليل قوي والتعليل جيد. He says this is a strong evidence and good reasoning. Good reasoning, it's, it's, it's really good. And this is the view of Ibn Taymiyyah as we said and others. Um, so as for the, we're going to get back to this view, right? He's, he's jumping around a bit, but we have to understand what they are saying, what's their reasonings, and now he's going to respond to the reasonings. Now he responds to those who say that it's a sunnah. What's the evidence? They said it's better. 27 times better doesn't mean that to pray by yourself is wrong. Right? This was their evidence, remember that hadith? The response to this is, there are other evidences that we can use. That hadith is one hadith that proves that it's better, yes. But there are other evidences that proves that it's not just better, it's also wajib. Salah and jama'ah. So that's just one hadith that you are using by saying it's afdal. That it's better to pray in jama'ah. And but that doesn't mean it's wrong to pray by yourself. Well, the response to this is very simple. There are other evidences to counter that reasoning. Right? Obviously the, 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 the deeds are based on one hadith. Our rulings are based upon one hadith. We have to take all our hadith into consideration. Understand each one. Reconsider, you know, reconcile between them and then come to a conclusion. So... The, the previous hadith we mentioned about burning the homes, that could counter this hadith by itself. And secondly, the argument of afdaliyah, just because it's afdal doesn't mean it's not wajib. That was also a misunderstanding. Right? We're not going to go into too much detail on the refutations.
As for those who say it's a shart, and this is the one we need to focus on, because this is the two strong views. The other two are weak views. The one that says it's a sunnah is a weak view. They're only using one hadith and uh, disregarding the rest. As for saying fard kifaya, it's also weak. There's no evidence for that. There's no clear-cut evidence for that. So the two strong views are either it's a condition of the salah, which says if you don't pray in jama'ah, your salah is invalid, or it's a fard of the salah, which means if you don't pray in jama'ah, you are sinful, but your salah is accepted. Right? Regarding the view that it's a condition, as the Taymiyyah said, then this hadith that they mentioned is Salatul Jama'ah Afdalu min Salatul Fadh. Right? Ibn Uthaymin now mentions this hadith and he says, this hadith proves that to pray by yourself is still valid. Right? Because if you don't, you lose out on the 27 times. So that Salah Jama'ah is 27 times better than Salah by itself. Understand? Which means Salah by itself is still valid, but you're missing out on all that great reward. Right? So we have to also take this hadith into consideration. So how do we then understand the previous hadith which says, the one who hears the adhan but doesn't respond, there's no salah for him. Right? I mentioned this a couple of times back, I don't think you're still going to recall it, but when you get these type of wordings, there's no salah for him. It can be understood in one of three ways. This is a negation. Fala salah. That la is a la of negation. There is no salah for him. Right? Either it could be nafil wujud. No salah in existence for him. Can that be possible? Can it be that he did not, there's no salah in existence for him? No, no, no. In the waqt, he prays, by, he prays at home. So it's called, he prayed. Right? So that can't be the case. Nafil wujud. That's usually the first one we go to. If we can apply that, an, a, a negation of, of, of existence, then we apply that. But this cannot be applied because he prayed by himself at home. Or even he prayed by his family at home. He heard the adhan and he prayed at home. So it can't be nafil wujud. It can't be a negation of existence. If that can't be applied, we go to the next step, which is nafil siha. And this is what Ibn Taymiyyah and others are arguing for. Which means, there is no valid salah for him. Means he prayed at home, he prayed his fard at home, but it's not valid. Are you with me? So what does this hadith mean according to this, uh, this understanding? Whoever hears the adhan, doesn't respond to the adhan, then there's no valid salah for him, except if he has an excuse. And this is how they understand it. The third, if that's not possible, or if we say there's an excuse, we have another evidence to divert us away from that understanding, then we go to nafyul kamal. Just nafyul is marshal, because the second one is not valid except an excuse. Meaning, there's no valid salah for him. Yeah. Right? Nafyul sikha means not valid unless there's an excuse. All is unless there's an excuse. All will be unless there's an excuse. Because right? the hadith says unless there's an excuse. But either it could be this is a negation of existence, which it can't be the case, or it can be a negation of the, val- the validity, the siha, 
And if that's not the way, then we can either go to the third way of understanding, which means nafiul kamal, which means negation of the, the, the perfect or the complete way, the complete uh, way of praying. So this would mean whoever hears the adhan and he doesn't respond to the adhan, then there's no complete salah for him, unless he has an excuse. Then there's no complete salah for him. What does this mean? His reward is lost and diminished. His, his salah is not kamal. Can't be perfect. Can't be complete because he didn't fulfill the obligation of going to the masjid. And this is how this view of the people of the second opinion understands this hadith. They accept the hadith, but they say when the hadith says fala salatala means there's no salah for him means there's no complete salah for him. Understand? The other opinion says there's no valid salah for him. There's a big difference between the two. Yes, there's punishment. That's what we said. Those who we said the salah is valid at home, but there's punishment, there's sin upon him for not answering the adhan, for not going to the jama'ah. Because that's what we're saying. If you say it's fard in jama'ah and you don't fulfill the fard, then you are sinful. Then you're sinful. So definitely it would still be sinful, but the salah is valid. This is the difference between the, these two opinions. Both are saying it's sinful. But the first one, the first view is saying it's not accepted if you pray at home. Your salah is batila. The second view is saying your salah is accepted, but you are still sinful. Meaning? Correct. But technically you're sinful. Technically, whether Allah punishes you or not, that we don't know. But you're sinful. That's the main point to remember, which means you need to make tawbah. Understand? You need to make istighfar for that. Um, that's the important point. Whether Allah punishes you or not, we never know when Allah, only Allah alam, Allah will decide. It's like any other sin. You understand? It's like any other sin. We don't know if Allah is going to punish us or if He's going to overlook. He knows best and when to do that and when not to do that. That we leave to Him. But our job is to know when is it a sin and when do we have to change and make tawbah and fix up. That's what's in our control. The punishment issue is in Allah's control. But if Allah was to punish you for making salah at home, would He be oppressing you? Would that be oppression? Would that be transgression? Would that be a wrongdoing? No. Because here the, the ahadith are clear. You should be praying in jama'ah. If you don't have a reason for missing the jama'ah, you are liable. Allah can punish you for that and you would not be wrong for doing that. This is the point. It's not about whether Allah is going to punish us or not. Yes, definitely we are tahta mashi'atillah. We are under the will of Allah. However, we need to know when, what's the ruling so that we can act accordingly and then avoid the, the muharramat, the haram and so forth, right? So coming back to this hadith, we differ on the interpretation of the hadith. Fala salatullah we say means there's no complete salah for him. Meaning he will be salah will be incomplete in terms of the reward, but it can be accepted. And he will be sinful as well. Right? And this is because of the hadith. Salah in Jama'ah is 27 times better than salah by itself. This hadith tells us that you can make salah by yourself. You understand? But it's not going to be complete 
based on the other hadith that we mentioned. So we have to understand both in light of each other, and that's why we don't agree with the view that said it's not valid. It's invalid, right? Tayyib. As for the other reasoning that they mentioned, the other reasoning that they mentioned, which we said was good reasoning, the principle of the wajibat, if you purposely leave out the wajib, it's allowed invalid, right? How do we respond to this? What's the response to this? Ibn Uthaymin responds and he says, when it comes to the wajib regarding the salah, there are two types. You get wajib that's within the salah. The wajib within that act of worship. And then you get wajib that is for that act of worship. There's a difference. With the example, make it clear. The wajib within the salah is like the tahiyyat, like the takbirat, like saying, Sami Allah, Man Hamida, Rabbana wa lakal hamd, Subhana Rabbil Adim, Subhana Rabbil A'la, the salawat at the end, Allah Musalli ala Muhammad, or many other examples. Those are wajibat within the salah. If you leave one of that out purposefully, your salah is null and void. But you also get wajibat for the salah, which is external factors. For example, the adhan and the iqamah is a fard. But if you made salah, right? We made salah now, for example, there's no adhan given. Well, let's say you're on the road and you see okay, the waqt is in. You stand and you pray. No adhan was given. Is salah valid? Is salah valid? You're on the road, long road. You're traveling. You're not in the area. You stop by the garage and you see the sun has set. It's Maghrib. Nobody made the adhan. You stand with your family, read iqamah, and you start Allahu Akbar, and you make salah. Salah is valid. Salah would be valid. Right? It's valid. You're on the aeroplane. Does anybody make the adhan? We stand, we make salah. Right? We'd be nothing wrong making the adhan. It'd be good. But the point is, we make salah. It's an, it's an obligation for the salah that the adhan is given. But if you pray without that obligation being fulfilled, your salah would be valid. If you pray without the iqamah, your salah is valid. Likewise, if you don't pray in jama'ah, your salah is valid. Because it's a fard for the salah and not within the salah. This is the example. This is the response that Ibn Uthaymin basically gives to that reasoning. That the, when it comes to the salah, there's two types of wajib. The wajibat within the salah and the wajibat that are there for the salah. For the salah. Understand? We can, I'll give you another example. The sufuf. The sufuf. What's the ruling on straightening the rows and standing together, you know, closing the gaps? It's fard. It's not just sunnah, the correct view is that it's fard. Because of the ahadith are very strict on this issue. Stand close together, close up the gaps. It's part of the completion of the salah, the hadith is. Min iqamat salah is part of the establishment of the salah. Min tamami salah is part of the completion of the salah. Which means if you don't fulfill the gaps properly, salah is incomplete. It's accepted. But it's incomplete. This is a fard for the salah. But if you come into the masjid and the salah and the rose crooked, 
and there's gaps and the people are not standing properly what's the ruling shall i accept it or not it's accepted but there is consequences right those who don't stand properly could be sinful could be sinful that's a fard for the salah for the perfection of the salah but it's not a fard for the condition of the acceptance of the yani meaning if it's done it's sinful it could be sin in it for the people however the salah salah still valid and accepted the same with the jama'ah issue and the same with the jama'ah issue understand so this is the answer that, that the sheikh gives to their reasoning it's a, it's a wajib but it's a different type of wajib and Allah knows best Tayyib where are we so therefore he says the strongest view is the view that we mentioned as the second view which is it's a fard ayn it's a wajib which means if it's not fulfilled you are sinful however your salah is still acceptable and valid yes it's a wajib for the salah but if it's not fulfilled it's sin on you unless you have a valid excuse for not praying in jama'ah that is the correct view and um, we mentioned the ayah of jihad Another ayah that the Sheikh mentions in Surah Baqarah, verse 43, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةَ وَارْكَعُوا مَعَ الرَّاكِعِينَ And establish the salah, and pay your zakah, and وَارْكَعُوا Allah uses the example of ruku' and He says, make ruku' with those who make ruku' What does this mean? It refers to the salah, right? It's just using, using one of the arkan of the salah as an example. Sometimes Allah uses the word, make sujood. Fast judu. Make sujood. Right? But it's referring to salah. Sometimes Allah uses one of the main arkan of the salah to refer to the salah. So here he says, وَارْكَعُوا مَعَ الرَّاكِعِينَ Perform the ruku' with those who perform ruku' With those who are performing ruku' Referring to jama'ah. Make salah with those who are performing salah. And that's a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We mentioned the example of, of the jihad. We don't have to mention that again. Um, the hadith in the, in, of, the, of the firewood we mentioned as well. We don't have to mention that again. In fact, it's coming up very shortly in the book. Um, and those are at least three evidences that we're going to mention. That's two from the Quran, one from the hadith, and there are more that will come up in the book. There are more that will come up as we go along now through the hadith in the book. Um, that proves that salah jama'ah is a fard and that it, is, that it is wajib. Before we get to the first hadith, the sheikh then mentions some of the benefits of praying in jama'ah. No, no, no. Before we get to the hadith, we're not yet by the hadith. It's just like an introduction to the chapter basically. Right? The sheikh now mentions some of the benefits of praying in jama'ah. Some of the benefits that we get from praying in Jama'ah. Firstly, it is one of the ways to show this great rukun of Islam. Salah. Right? It's one of the ways of openly proclaiming and showing this great rukun. And it's the biggest rukun after the shahada, right? The main rukun after our belief is our salah. The hadith is umur salah to umur al-deen. Salah is the pillar of the deen. It is the main pillar of the religion. 
Of course, we know it's the main pillar after the shahada. It's the second pillar. After our belief comes salah. And this is one of the ways that we openly show this, this great rukun, this great wajib of the deen. Right? And the shaykh says if people pray in the masajid, when people pray in the masajid and they are seen by the young and the old and the males and the females, they go to this masjid, they go to this place, they establish their salah, and each one is openly proclaiming this, this act of worship, this, this submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making it clear. But if somebody plays at home, no emphasis given to this. If each person, imagine each person prays by himself at home. Where do people go? You know, where do people see the salah being performed? Where does this give that, that strength to the symbol of Islam? The salah. When this happens in the masjid, this is part of proclaiming this great rukun of Islam. Where people can see the salah. Young, old, males, females. And this gives, brings us to the next point. The second benefit is, that it is tanshitul muslimin ba'dhum ba'dha which means it stimulates the muslims it stimulates them it revives them their spirit their ruh their iman it gives them strength as the sheikh says as we can see today when people pray in the by themselves what happens you find laziness creeping in it's easy to delay the salah it's easy to become lazy and you pray quickly. You pray and you recite differently. Right? You pray and the salah is different. But when you get to the jama'ah, what happens? You get to the masjid, you revitalized. The imam himself, when he recites, he recites differently. He recites different surahs. You pray at home, what do you recite? The same surahs. The imam comes to the masjid, he prepares something perhaps. He recites differently, with vigor, with energy, revitalized, and the musallis are revitalized. And that, that laziness is taken away. So coming to the masjid brings back that, that it revitalizes, you know, the spirit of the deen, of a person's iman, and so forth. Thirdly, the shaykh says, At-ta'alifu wa-ta'habu. It rekindles love. And it brings together the hearts. It brings people together and it spreads love between the ummah, between the brothers. And the Sheikh says again, no doubt, if you look at a particular community, they come together, they pray together, they develop love for one another. They develop, you know, a special relationship with one another. But if this doesn't happen, is that love going to be there? You don't see each other. You don't pray together. You don't gather. When we say pray together, we mean almost five times a day. Two, three, four, five times a day. Whenever the person's available, is there. What happens? The more you see each other, you greet each other, that natural, that, that, that love builds between each other. Understand? The hearts get united with each other. You stand shoulder to shoulder every day. And the Prophet said, this brings people together. And when you don't stand correctly in the salah, what happens? Your hearts become disunited. Which means if you stand together, 
your hearts are united. This is the point the Sheikh is making. The hearts become not just united, but that love is developed between each other. Fourthly, the Sheikh says, it brings about the feelings of brotherhood between the people. That feelings of ukhuwah, brotherhood is, is rekindled. That feeling of true brotherhood is brought about. And the Sheikh explains and he says, if people come to the masjid, what happens? One person is absent. He's a regular. When the regular is not there, what happens? Where is he? What happened to him? Check up on him. Is he ill? Is he fine? Did he perhaps travel? How come he wasn't here today? You know? The concern is there. That brotherhood is strong. Because he's a regular in the masjid. We are all regulars. He's a regular. Why is he not here? You understand? He misses one, two walks. And you start to think. Maybe I must call him up. Check on him. That shows that love that we spoke about. That shows that brotherhood. This is the feeling of brotherhood the Sheikh is mentioning. Such that that person just misses one walk. And you start to think, I wonder where he is. I wonder where he could be. I wonder if he's okay. And you make dua for him. This is the, the brotherhood that coming to the masajid brings. People who don't come, you don't miss them. You don't miss them. You don't expect to see them. When you see them, oh, alhamdulillah, you're here. And when they are not there, you don't miss them. You don't think of them. You don't make dua for them. That brotherhood is not as strong. You understand? It's not as strong. So this shows a great benefit that it, it brings about that, the true brotherhood and the feelings of brotherhood between the people. Number five, he says, is that the ignorant will learn. He will be taught by coming to the masjid. He will be taught how? Salah, he comes and he will see how people pray. And he will learn from them. He will learn, he will see, this one is doing that in the salah and he may question. Well, you may be told, you know what, I noticed you did this in the salah, you know, so Jude, you put your elbows on the ground, or your nose was in the air. So had he prayed at home, that salah would have remained like that, incorrect. Because he comes to the masjid, people will come to him and say, look, I noticed you did this in the salah, you know, this is actually not permissible, you shouldn't pray like that. Or he will see the person next to him doing something different. Or he will see the imam doing something different. And he will learn. He will learn from them. Especially in the masjid of Ahlul Sunnah Jama'ah where people are praying according to the Sunnah. Most of the regulars and the musallis pray according to the Sunnah. So when you see somebody doing something, you could ask. You know, perhaps it's a matter of difference of opinion, no problem. But the point is, there's learning taking place. There's learning taking place. Especially for the ignorant person who doesn't know anything. He can learn a lot. He can learn a lot just by observing. Just by being in the masjid and in the correct environment. Number six, the sheikh says, is the perfection of the sharia. The completion and the, comp- and the perfection of the sharia. And here the sheikh says, is that one of the main things that the sharia calls to is, is to unite people for this act of worship. Right? Is to unite people. Unity. In, in their deen. In their iman. In their Islam. To perfect their deen. So when they come together on a daily basis, this is what the Sharia wants. Ijtima' yawmi. A daily gathering. A daily un- unification. Right? And we have Ijtima' usbu'i. A weekly gathering, which is the Jumu'ah. And we have an Ijtima' yearly. Which is the Eid. Eid the two Eids. 
Right? But this is what the Sharia wants. To bring people together upon their deen. A matter of utmost importance that brings them together upon this deen. Number seven is that a person systemizes his affairs. He systemizes his affairs. And that he has an iman that he has to follow. So what happens is, he now learns to follow an imam. And by this, he will learn to follow the greatest imam, who is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So in his salah, he has this khudu' right, this humility, and this submission. And he says, you will find the biggest of people, the most wealthiest of people. He says, sometimes you find kings, princes in the masajid, wealthy people of, of status. What do they have to do when they get to the masjid? They have to follow the imam. They have to humble themselves. They have to belittle themselves. They have to, they have to and he says, they're not allowed to differ with the imam, as the hadith says. Right? Don't differ with the imam. So you need to learn to prioritize. And even in this state, you're no longer a prince. You're a musalli. You're no longer a wealthy businessman. You're a musalli. That is your imam. You need to follow him, no matter who you are. And if you differ with the imam, what do we say to him? Repeat your salah. No matter who you are. So it, it brings about a type of humility. And it removes kibir, arrogance and pride. Such that a person learns to submit himself and, be, and humble himself to, so that he follows an imam. Whether you like him or not, if he's the imam, you have to follow him. You have to get that keeper, that anger out of yourself and you have to submit and stand with khushu' in front of Allah. So that you can actually benefit from your own salah. Right? And by doing this, you learn humility. You learn submission. You learn to follow an imam. When you learn to follow the imam daily, you can easily follow the ultimate imam, which is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and his teachings. And even the imam of a city, for example, or the country. Right? In the Muslim countries. Number eight is, it brings about anger and hatred. And it is very much annoying to the people of kufr and nifaq. They hate to see this. They hate to see the Muslims come together, stand together and pray. This is something that annoys them severely. It angers them. The people of nifaq and the people of disbelief. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, وَلَا تَهِنُوا فِي بُدِغَاءِ الْقَوْمِ Do not weaken in pursuit of the enemy. And this is just after those ayat of jihad in Surah Nisa that we mentioned earlier where Allah spoke about the salah. Right? In jihad. And after that, the next ayah is also about salah. The ayah ends of inna salata kanat al mu'minna kitaba mawkuta. That salah is written upon the Muslims in specific times. Then Allah says this ayah. Do not weaken in your pursuit of the enemy. In takunu ta'lamuna fa'inham ya'lamuna kama ta'lamun. If you are suffering, then they are also suffering just like you are suffering. So basically what the Shaykh is saying is that this, in context of the salah, as it comes after the ayat of salah, is it applies very much to what they see of you doing in the salah. Because they are hurting. They are suffering 
Because what Izzah exists for the believers. What an honor for the believers when they stand together and they stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the Muslims are stood like this and they are united and they are strengthened, this is a humiliation for whom? This is a humiliation for the, for the disbelievers and the people of Nifaq. Especially when they see this in battle. Imagine they are fighting you and they see you standing in, bat- in salah. And likewise out of the salah, what can they do to you when the, this is your condition? The Muslimin come together five times a day and they stand in front of Allah Azza wa Jal. They stand in front of Allah Azza wa Jal. So he basically brings this ayah like this to prove that this is something that's angering to the kuffar and the munafiqeen. Number nine is the great reward that comes with salah in jama'ah. The great reward that comes with salah in jama'ah. In the hadith says that whoever purifies himself in his home and then goes out and nothing causes him to leave his home except the masjid. The only reason he's leaving is the is for the masjid. Then the hadith says he does not take one step except Allah raises him in darajah by that. He goes up in his rank by that, in degrees, in status. And a sin is removed from him. Not a step is taken except Allah raises your rank and Allah forgives a sin. This is the state of going out to the masjid. Right? And as the ulama have said, if you can't walk to the masjid and you drive for every turn of the wheel of your car, that's a step. That becomes like a step. So every time your wheel turns, it's one darajah you are raised, one sin you are forgiven. How many times has your wheels not turned to get to the masjid? Thousands probably, right? Hundreds at least. This is how much you are rewarded just to get to the masjid. Besides the salah in jama'ah, besides the adhkar you're making in the mosque, besides all of the other, you greet your brother, you smile in his face, the sadaqah. You shake hands, when your hands are removed, Allah forgives your sins. The amount of reward for going just to one salah, to one jama'ah, is beyond what we can actually understand. They asked the Prophet what is the best a'mal that we can do? What's the best deeds that we can do? What did he say? As-salatu ala waqtiha. To pray on time. You are not just praying on time. In jama'ah, 27 times better. In the house of Allah, the ukhuwa, the brotherhood, shaking your hands, smiling at your brother, catching up. That All of this is rewarded. Driving there, driving back. All of this is rewarded. The amount of reward just in that half an hour's Effort which is very simple and easy is unparalleled and cannot be compared to anything else. It cannot be compared to anything else. He didn't say the best deed is hajj. He didn't say the best deed is jihad. And the best deed is reciting the whole Quran or giving a million rand in sadaqah or making umrah every year. The best deed is salah on time. That's the best of deeds. That's what the hadith says. Number 10 is you become of those who maintain the masajid. Whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran. Those who maintain the masajid and those who raise his name and voice, who, who raise his, um, and mention his name, so that they raise and, and mention Allah's name in the masjid. This is a special reward for these people as well. Allah mentions them in the Quran. You become part of this group of people. Those who maintain the masajid. And they mention the names of Allah. 
They livened up the masajid with, with the mention of Allah's name. And number 11 is, this is the distinguishing factor between the munafiqeen and the mu'mineen. The difference, one of the main differences between the true believers and the hypocrites is that the munafiq doesn't give importance to jama'ah. Because in jama'ah is a test from Allah. A person, it requires sabr. That you leave the house five times a day, three, four, as much as you often can. You get in your car, you get to the masjid, you got to get back. It's much easier just to pray at home. Much easier just to pray at home. But for a munafiq, this is too much for him. It's difficult for him. It's, it's overbearing. Pray at home. Just get over with, you know. As the Quran says, when they pray, they pray lazily. They're lazy in the salah. This is the sign of munafiqeen. So, a difference here is, it's one of the differences between the true believers and the munafiqeen. Right? So that's 11 points that the Sheikh mentioned of benefits that he has mentioned for salah in jama'ah. That you will not get if the salah is not prayed in jama'ah. Now we get to the first hadith. Khair, we can do one hadith inshallah. And then we'll carry on next week from there. The first hadith is from Abdullah ibn Umar, radiallahu anhuma, anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal, salatul jama'ah afdalu min salatil fadhi bi sab'in wa ishrina darajah muttafaqun alayhi. Abdullah ibn Umar, he said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the salah in congregation is better or 27 times superior than the salah performed individually. Salah in congregation is 27 times more superior than salah prayed individually. Khair, this hadith is clear. This hadith is clear in that it shows us the reward for salah in jama'ah. It shows us the reward for salatul jama'ah that if you pray it by yourself, technically you get one reward, you can say. One reward. But if you pray that same jama'ah, that same salah in a jama'ah, it would be 27 times better, more rewarding, in terms of status and rank. Right? This is basically what the hadith tells us. And then the sheikh says, does this tell us that we have to pray in a masjid or is salah in jama'ah sufficient? Because technically, you could argue and say, well, I pray in jama'ah at home because I pray with my son or my brother or my family. We pray together, so technically we're praying in jama'ah, right? So congregation, I'm not praying by myself. So does this apply or not? Or does this apply to the masjid only? Does this apply to the masjid only? This is the question over here. Okay. The Sheikh says you do not acquire this reward. You don't get this reward for praying at home with your family or in a congregation. Anyway, it has to be in a masjid. And the reason for this is 
the hadith of Abu Hurairah says, whomsoever performs wudu and he performs wudu well, then he goes to a masjid. He leaves his home and he goes to a masjid and nothing causes him to leave except the salah. Right? And that hadith also mentioned, then he will get 25 times more reward. He will get 25 times more reward. So this basically tells us that this hadith is, it means, salah in jama'ah means salah in the masjid. Salah in the, in the masjid. The hadith also proves the great virtue or the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the graciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That for each prayer in jama'ah, he gives us 27 times the reward of that prayer, of, of, of any other salah. And what else do we know about Allah's rewards? What else do we know? How does Allah reward us? Does He give us one reward for a good deed? At least 10 rewards. At least 10 rewards. Right? So which means in the jama'ah, you're going to say 27 times 10. At least. Not even 27. It's 27 times more than a normal salah. So how much reward do you get for praying at home? It's a lot of reward. It's still salah. Right? Yes, you are also sinful because you neglected the fart. But you still get rewarded. Right? But in the jama'ah, you would have got 27 times more than that reward. Times by 10. So it's at least 270 times more. Right? And the hadith also tells us, it's from 10 up to 700. For every good deed you do, Allah multiplies it from 10 to 700, anywhere between there. So what does this tell? This obviously is now dependent on your sacrifices, on your efforts you put in, on your sincerity, on your focus, your humility, your khushu', your concentration. The higher the levels are, your ihsan, the higher it is, the more Allah multiplies your reward for each action. So that means, if it's 27 times by 5 daily prayers, is how much? 27 times 5 is 135. So 135. Right? That's for your 5 daily prayers. Times that by 10 up to 700. That's for the salah. It's only the salah. That's besides the sunnahs. That's besides the gating to the masjid, getting back to them, and all the other benefits of being in the masjid. That's just for, the, for one day. That's just for one day. Understand? But the person who prays at home firstly will get sin for it. And secondly, he's only going to get times one. And that will be times by 10 up to 700, depending on his sincerity at home and so forth. Understand? Allahumma musta'an. So, the next narration is from Abu Hurairah, which mentions, which we mentioned above, 25 times. So the first hadith said what? 27 times. This hadith mentions 25 times. How do we understand this? Certain scholars differed, right? Some scholars said we take the lesser of the two to be safe. 27 to 25, let's take the lesser, so we say 25 times. Other scholars say perhaps he said 25 sometimes and then he later on he said 27 times. Understand? He said 25 and later on he added and he said 27 times. And this is basically what Ibn Uthaymin says. That initially he said 25 times 
And then later on he said 27 times, not just 25, 27 times. Allah knows best, right? Another narration says 25 times in darajah. The other one said 25 times juz'an in parts. Understand? Um, طيب, that's basically that hadith and we'll stop there inshallah ta'ala. We'll continue from the next week with Allah Ta'ala wa sallallahu ala nabihina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Alwa la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.